Welcome to Book Me, sponsored by Nimbus Publishing. I'm Costas Halavrezos. Today, Lynn Davies, author of So Imagine Me. It's pure delight to watch children explore a path in the woods or putter along the shoreline. You never know what ordinary thing will seize their attention. A speckled rock, a shrieking blue jay, a pungent clump of seaweed. There's also no way of knowing which of those sensations linger. But Lynn Davies may have created a key to opening up memories and even enriching future rambles in nature. She's the author of So Imagine Me, Nature Riddles in Poetry, illustrated by Chrissy Park McNeil. I've reached Lynn in Fredericton. Welcome to Book Me. Hi, Costas. Uh, you've written uh, quite a wonderful collection of poems, uh, and they're set and illustrated in a natural setting. What led you to using riddles, though? Well, I think riddles help me look at the natural world more closely. I love being outside, and some of my earliest memories are of being outside in my mother's garden uh, with my parents at Cape on Rage. And as I got older, I learned how to uh, camp and backpack. And we would go hiking along the Bay of Funday and spend days out there camping and uh, enjoying the Bay of Funday. And I think as a teenager, I began to think about the big questions like, where does all this come from? All this beauty, all this violence and energy and growth and change, what's behind it? I mean, I, I don't have answers to those questions, but I wonder if writing riddles is a way of breaking a big mystery down into little mysteries, into little riddles. Interesting approach. Well, <laughs> uh, like I say, the, the riddles do force me to look more closely at the natural world. I mean, a really fun part of this project was the research I put into it. For example, researching crows, they are such fascinating creatures. And, you know, in many of these poems, there's a lot I had to leave out. And it was always hard to decide what I had to leave out. Each riddle does stand on its own as a poem. Could you read the one about the four-toed shuffler? Give okay. people an idea of how you frame a, a riddle inside a poem. Okay. I'm a four-toed shuffler. I'm a five-toed ambler. I'm a mean tail swinger. Stay away from me. I'm a great pond swimmer. I'm a tall tree climber. Can't see much. I have a chewy nightlife. Bark is good. Salt is best. Sugar maple buds will do. I love yellow water lily leaves. I saunter. I shuffle. I'm a pin cushion. Prickle puss. Hypodermic honey. Well, you two-legged, smooth-skinned bean. What am I? <laughs> and that is definitely a porcupine. You guessed it, yeah. But I learned something. I didn't realize uh, it had a different number of toes in the front and the back. Yes, there are a different number of toes. Although, you know, when I was uh, looking through the book again last night, just to refresh myself, I noticed that, yeah, there's a bit of fake news there. We got the toes <laughs> mixed up. <laughs> it should be four toes on the front and five toes on the hind. Uh-huh. You have managed to slip in a lot of nature facts into every poem. Could you read us the poem riddle on the next page? Sure. Head first is the most delicious way to go down a tree. I find the spiders and larvae my upright friends don't see. 
When I'm bored with bugs, I wedge seeds and nuts into slits in the bark. Split open the shells with my nutcracker beak. My breast is so white, it reflects the light, helps me see in holes, find the suet and seeds I hid before snow. What am I? And the answer is... Well, it's a white-breasted nuthatch. <laughs> Kids find out one of the tougher riddles in the book. Because they may not see many of the round. Well, you know, they are around, and you often hear them before you see them. They have this weird cronk-cronk they make in the trees. But they flit in and out of bird feeders, and they're often busy hiding seeds. So, yeah, they're not obvious. I'm lucky. I have both uh, white-breasted nuthatches around and uh, some red-breasted yes. nuthatches, too. But I hadn't really thought about the angle that you mentioned, that they have a different perspective than, say, woodpeckers, because as they're coming down the tree, they can look down into crevices that maybe woodpeckers and other uh, birds that go after the bugs really can't get a good angle on. Well, you know, that's the wonderful uh, part of research. I didn't know that either. I thought that was so cool. And they're the only bird that does that. So if you see a bird heading headfirst down the tree, you know <laughs> it's a nuthatch. And I also thought it very cool that, especially for a white-breasted nuthatch, uh, the white of their breasts helps them to see inside yes. those holes. Fascinating stuff. Yeah, yeah. Now, it's not all about wildlife. You also have a poem about different kinds yes. of clouds about acorns. I imagine there must have been a, a challenge to limit yourself. You could have gone on and on. <laughs> I did. <laughs> I did go on and on. Initially, this manuscript was a very fat, bulky manuscript, and it had quite a few poems for several voices. And initially, it was turned down many times, of course, because it was just too fat, ambitious, and bulky. So, <laughs> I, yeah, I had to pull things. I had to limit myself. What kind of discussions did you have with Chrissy Park McNeil about the illustrations she'd do for your poems? Oh my gosh, she did such a great job. Well, Nimbus found Chrissy, and they initially sent me some of her initial drawings and paintings that she had done for some of the poems, and I, I loved them right away. And my one concern with the illustrations was that they not just give the answer, that they pose possibilities, like the answer could be this, or this, or that. And so I sent Chrissy a list of suggestions, suggestions only, and ideas of what she could include. And she included some, but she had lots of great ideas of her own. Do you remember some of those that hadn't occurred to you? Yes. Actually, the one that I read uh, about the porcupine, I had suggested chestnuts and burrs, like other prickly things. Oh, yes. And what she put in were thistles and a very uh, crinkly-looking caterpillar that I've never seen in my life. <laughs> so, yeah, she had lots of her own ideas. I think my favorite is the one she did for the cattails, that are going to seed, and she has a cat on a wharf beside the seeding cattails, and the cat is up on its hind legs sort of dancing with the seed. The book's great in the way that I, c I can see it influencing children both outdoors, but, you know, indoors, maybe in the winter when uh, they're reading this book, and digging into those illustrations deeply and seeing how much is going on in an ordinary landscape. Yeah, I would hope it would work indoors, even in classrooms. Actually, feedback I've had from parents who have read this book to their children 
first of all, they want it reread, and secondly, they start to make up their own, which I think is really exciting. And you know, when I've used this book in schools, we'll make up riddles, or they will make up riddles, and I'll say, just start with the classroom, what's inside the classroom, and they are so good at it. Uh, One of the best riddles I've ever heard was a riddle about a pencil done by a grade five boy. I I wish I had kept it, but they're really good at this. They notice things. You had something of an ideal childhood for someone who writes. Tell us about those uh, formative years in the family business in Moncton. Well, I was in my teens by the time they bought that. We had been living in Newcastle, and my father lost his job. So we moved back to Riverview. And my mother and father eventually opened the first independent bookstore in Moncton, the Bookmark Limited. And at the time, it would have been out in the Kmart Plaza. Anyway, that's where I had my first job, of course. And yeah, I was surrounded by books. I got to talk about books. I watched my mother order them. I watched them come in. I helped unpack them. And if I was careful, I was allowed to take a book home and read it very carefully and then put it back on the shelf. (laughs) Very carefully. Very, yeah. And as I got older, I went on to work in other bookstores. I've worked in the book room in Halifax many years ago for a couple of Christmases. And then here in Fredericton, I worked part-time at Westminster Books for about 10 years. You also tutored people in reading, and you've taught English as a second language. I was wondering, are there ways in which those experiences have guided you as a writer? Well, it's given me information about the language I work in. I write in teaching ESL. It makes me realize English is complicated. And yeah, I, I saw more clearly the difficulties for people learning and the things that I take for granted. A lot of the the problems they had, I couldn't explain. I just did them instinctively. Now, tutoring children, I I loved doing that. These were kids that were having reading difficulties, and I would tutor them one-on-one. And I used a sound-based system, a phonetically-based system called phonographics. And that was a wonderful learning experience for me as a poet. Yeah, it helped me to break words down into their phonetic sounds. Forget about the letter names. I went for the sounds. And I think it did make a difference in my writing later on. And what about your research? Have you actually counted the number of seeds on a dandelion's head? (laughs) I did. I did. (laughs) I was out for a walk. It was in the fall, actually. And I thought, a dandelion seed head in the fall? That's that's quite interesting. I tend to think of them as more apparent early in the summer. Right. And, uh, yeah, so I did. I, I counted it. It was very peaceful, Costas. Highly right. recommended. And the number? I think it was 118. That's what's in the book. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it would be interesting to know if 118 is the number that all the seed heads produce or whether the seed heads produce different numbers. Uh, I'm know. guessing the latter. I'd bet on the latter. But I'll have yeah. to do further research on that. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Lynn, thank you so much for uh, joining us on Book Me. Well, thanks so much, Costas. Lynn Davies is the author of So Imagine Me, Nature Riddles and Poetry. It's illustrated by Chrissy Park McNeil, and it's published by Nimbus.
If you want to hear more conversations with people who create books in Atlantic Canada, authors, illustrators, editors, and designers, we have dozens, all on bookmepodcast.ca. Tell everyone you know who's a reader. If you'd like to comment on a podcast like today's with Lynn Davies, our email address is info at bookmepodcast.ca. Whenever we add a new interview, we post an alert on Instagram, at bookmepodcast. If you're in the Lunenburg County area, you can hear one of our podcasts every evening on the nonprofit radio station CHLU, 93.7 FM, just before sign-off around 9 o'clock. Book Me is sponsored by Nimbus Publishing. Our producer is Robin Grant, and Laura Hines knows the answers to all digital riddles related to this podcast. I'm Costas Halavrezos. Now, let's go read. Mm-hmm.